Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. We are unlive over on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher. We're dead on the podcast. We're dead, baby. (laughs) But... If you're listening on the audio podcast, thanks for tuning in. Regardless, you're just not going to get to ask questions live. That's the only difference. Otherwise, join still... us. If we can't make a harder sale to meet us here on a Tuesday night, I don't know what else mm-hmm. we can say. You know. Now, speaking of things that couldn't come out on a Tuesday night, let's talk about our other co-host, Pete. The third. Co-host. The third. Pete. The third. Now, Pete. Pete third. I only bring this up. I only mention this. Normally, we keep our personal lives out of things, right? A hundred percent. Now, yes. except for Pete, who we are constantly asking about his personal life. But <laughs> that's his mistake for telling us. Yes. Now, this came up on the last show. His girlfriend's mom is in town, and his girlfriend on the show in the comment section over here on Crowdcast said, hey, should I bring my mom to watch the show? Specifically, should they be sitting in the other room watching the show? While yeah, Pete hard was recording yes. it. Natural yes. Yes. Easy Pete, yes. Was, Pete was like mumbled a little bit and backed away and didn't want to address it at all and really just wanted to move on to the next topic. But uh, his girlfriend was super into it. Everybody listening was super into it. And I honestly thought I was excited because it was a chance to really bump things up. Yeah, with Pete yes. and talk about how great he was. Uh, 100%. We would be wing was. was. We'd well, be I say was before him. he ditched out of the show. Yes. He's, you know? he's doing the gentlemanly thing. Um, mm-hmm. Here, I'm um, I'm on vacation now, but I wanted to be here. Um, be, I'm on vacation with Luana's mom, actually. So it's actually... <laughs> sure. uh, oh, that's uh, weird. Feels... Luana's mom is actually here in Brooklyn with me. Oh, it's crazy. This huh. is crazy what's... Um, Luana has a lot of moms. Yeah. No doubt about that. But yes, she Pete's doing the gentlemanly thing. Yes. Uh, many moms. Uh, takes a whole Make village of moms. work, I always <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> Someone come get my moms. Um, uh, but yeah, my children are here in the other room. They may come screaming in here, so we may have some surprise guests at any point. In this, are you in uh, some sort of a closet right now? What's going on? No, I'm in, uh, I'm in a beach shack on the Ooh. island of Nantucket. Uh, oh, I just saw one. I just uh, saw well, one. Not in. a good sign already. They're here now. Uh, Bluey is on in the other room, and it's not hitting like usual. Oh man, the just no bad lessons from Bluey this episode, I guess. Yeah, I know that. Uh, uh, sure, 
Uh, great. She uh, <laughs> says she wants to join the podcast. She's a, sort of has a Pete energy, so it's that's okay. Boring. Okay, just a little anarchic. Uh, yes. If her mom Absolutely. shows up, she won't do the show anymore. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. If her mom were here, she would not be on this show. Right <laughs> uh, well, I am very excited about this show, regardless of Pete being here or not. And Lamana's mom, if you listen to this later, Pete's a great guy and he's uh, really good for your daughter. Yes, no. 100%. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah, this is going to be cool. That's what I just heard. Yeah, she's she's like, where's the pool? I'm like, that's not. Oh, where's the pool? This not this is going to be cool. <laughs> this is going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, been wanting to make her big break for quite some time. Great. Well, why don't we bring in our first guest, who is not actually yes. your daughter sneaking in? It is actually John Luzar. He is the writer of Marguerite versus the Occupation, which is on Kickstarter now. John, hello, welcome hello. to the show. Hello, hello, all mothers and children and hosts <laughs> and cats and dogs. It's yes. a family affair here at exactly. Comic Book Club. Fantastic. Um, uh, looks like you have a sweet collection of comic books going out of the background before we uh, get in and talk about yours. Oh, these are DVDs. But Oh, comic, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The comic oh. book room is... is we'll, we'll do the next one in, in the comic book room. And, <laughs> All right. And, I think wow. everything is comic books until proven otherwise. So. And, yeah, that's great. Yes, Nothing weird great. about that. Nope, <laughs> so let's talk about Marguerite versus the occupation as mm -hmm. usual for comic book club. You already have a successful Kickstarter. This happens to us pretty regularly that things get pre-funded before they even come on, which we call like the retroactive comic book club bump. Yes. Uh, even yes, without yes. knowing you're coming on here, we, we did this for you. Uh, but let's talk about the project. Uh, it's, a very fun, semi-historically based, or definitely historically based? I mean, I guess that's the first question, is like, how accurate is it to history or not? Uh, I just did thousands and thousands of hours of research. Mm -hmm. um, no, no, it's historical fiction. Um, as far as I know, nothing like, nothing this uh, specifically happened, but... Uh, what if someone comes forward and says, that was me! You know, uh, this is me! The, I was the, part of the French Revolution. Uh, they're 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 uh, they're a filthy liar, and I'm definitely not after their intellectual property. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, so talk about the idea then. I mean, I think you can kind of figure it out from the title. And I, I read the first issue. Uh, it's big action, a lot of fun, pretty intense. Um, but where was the initial germ of the idea? Where did this come from? Gosh, I mean, the initial germ was I'm. You know, I'm brand new and I'm just starting out and I just needed to figure out how to write action scenes because I mm -hmm. hadn't done them in my first couple of comics. So uh, there was an exercise element of it um, mm. and it evolved. It was it was initially this whole science fiction thing set on an alien world. Uh, <laughs> like, like a junk trader's wife trying to get uh, her husband to stop selling resources to an occupying army. But um, yeah, I was watching the third man uh, about last December and just the kind of that, that bombed out mid 20th century, like what has civilization done to itself sort of setting just uh, it kind of hit home and it resonated with how I was feeling about stuff right then. And it gave me an opportunity to uh, mess up some Nazis, which was very, very appealing for the mood I was in. That's so funny, just because I feel like comics often go the other way. They say, what if it was World War II, but 
on an alien planet, and instead you went in the other direction. Well, you're like, World War II is pretty fucked up just as it was. Why don't we just get into that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, not a, not, not a fan of how that, that whole thing went down, uh, except for the ending. That worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, there's been some repercussions over time, but we don't need to get into that. We talk about that every week here on the podcast. <laughs> so Marguerite, though, as a character, what was the inspiration behind her? Uh, you know, it was, again... Um, I don't know how political I want to get here, but uh, this really came together during. Excellent. Excellent. Um, (laughs) It came together during the transition and there was just this sense of you're beaten. You lost. Now get the fuck out of the house. Um, (laughs) And that's what Marguerite is about. She, you know, she comes home. She wants to, because she wants to be there at the end of the war and see her beloved childhood home as it's liberated and there are nazis in her house they've set up a machine gun nest because her house is at the top of the hill um so a strategic high point so uh yeah it was just that 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 image and that idea is the core of it it's just uh it just struck me as so invasive and personal mm-hmm. um and that's that's just how i was feeling about stuff at that time and place feeling very like marguerite so now, so you had a big emotional reaction to what was going on in the world. And so you dove into researching it. Um, how did that emotional, as you're researching, does the emotion sort of like fade off a little bit? Or are you, were you getting angry through the lens of history as well? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It, it, it um, The anger is kind of there throughout. We did... Um, is interesting. We did this. Uh, we did this uh, script Marvel style instead of uh, full panel breakdowns. So in the writing, uh, the script pass was actually the last work that got done after everybody else's work was done. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just slipped right back into it. Got got all <laughs> got all mad all over again. Like, oh, you little you little bastards. <laughs> yeah, uh, Give always right a- angry. Yes. Given this was an exercise for you in terms of writing action scenes, what did you learn over the course of the experience? Oh gosh, I learned so much on this, um, and I was very, I was very lucky to have uh, Casey Cavedo. He's such a, such a fantastic, clear storyteller. Um, I think on this one, I just finally learned, or I hope I learned. We'll see what happens going forth. Um, to let the pictures tell the story and not, you know, try to have a choke hold on everything <laughs> with uh, captions and dialogue, which is uh, I used to be in theater before mm. I started uh, doing comics. So that's, that's, uh, that's always my first instinct. And in comics, it's a pretty bad one, I think. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's the big lesson. Just, just letting, letting the comic book be a comic book instead of trying to make it something else. Now, what made you choose to do um, the Marvel style? Because I do think that um, that had to play into what you're talking about right now. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was it was partially in pursuit of that goal. Also, I uh, God, it seems like two years ago, but I took a workshop uh, with JMD Mateus. And uh, uh, yeah, 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 it was so I, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gr- great writer but he just and it, it, it seems so simple but there was an exercise he gave that he just gave us a page of art from a spider-man comic he'd written and 
told us to dialogue it and we didn't know the context that he wrote but it just it really opened my eyes to and this all seems so basic now but um like the pictures that you have are the pictures that you have and you have to write <laughs> I, I mean like honestly if you if you can see what i did on my first couple of books it's really trying to like no no i want to write right. what i want to write and it doesn't work um so this is so maybe this is a really like a 101 lesson for me but i had to learn it and i had to learn it the hard way apparently and i'm, I'm grateful i, like I did I feel like that's a lesson, though, that you need some experience or some confidence to be able to just sort of uh, let go of the steering wheel a little bit. You know, take one hand off at least so that you can really do it. I, I can't imagine coming into comics being like, all right, let's ride. <laughs> Give me some pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 it and that that um, that letting go, that's actually that's actually exactly what it feels like. And again, when you've got such uh, skilled proficient partners it's a lot easier so i've been i've been lucky all around on this one well what about kickstarter what has that experience been like for you Ooh, boy uh <laughs> gotta keep both hands on the wheel for kickstarter for yeah yeah, yeah. let me did let you me... do the kickstarter marvel style as well oh uh, no <laughs> no no you gotta the kickstarter is a very colicky baby that needs a lot a lot a lot of attention yeah. um it's 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 tough because like you know i'm trying to trying to break in and trying to learn how to write. And then you've got all of these uh, promotional tasks on top of it. And you got to write advertising copy. Um, my partner, my editor, Jason Fleece is a big help with that. He's a great project manager and he does all the graphic design. And I think he does a wonderful job, which is great because I'd have uh, absolutely no sense for that. So I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm very lucky to have, I'm very lucky in all of my partners on this. <laughs> um, it's a really, really for, for somebody just starting out, I'm, I got a, I got a real lucky break with this crew. Well, and I mean, not a lucky break, but like, I guess a skillful break. Like we were saying earlier, you've done really well with this Kickstarter and it's already funded. So given that you have blown past your first goal, what's what's next? What are you looking to add on potentially with this? I put this in quotes, but extra buddy that you have rolling around right now. Oh, it's tons of it. I'm I'm wealthy man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, you got it up on the screen there. I'm hoping to... um you know uh give give the art teams work the presentation they deserve uh i'm uh you know it's it's uh, wearing this uh publisher hat it's so new to me and i i never in i've been a comics fan since i was in seventh grade and i never paid a ton of attention to the cover or the paper stock or the paper finish um but like i i uh i've been reading a lot of boom studios books lately nah and uh, I love I love the way the paper feels in my hands and that 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 thick cover just it just feels like um, it feels like a prestige movie, you know, Oscar season. Yeah. And uh, if we can if we can hit these stretch goals, I'd like to do it for our book. So, you know, we got our link there in the chat. Awesome. If That's people awesome. do want to pledge, how much time do they have? It started July 20th. So I assume August 20th ish is when it wraps up. Uh, I think it's August nineteenth. We're we're right about halfway through okay. right now, so about well, a couple of weeks. All right. Well, very cool, John. Thank you so much for coming on. Love the project. The book's a lot of fun. People should definitely go pledge it. And good luck with the rest of the run, though. Doesn't seem like you need it. Yeah. Right. Well, we're get that metallic there. ink. That's right. That's all right. of our guests. 
That's right. Plus up that cardstock, kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much for uh, having a having a having a newbie on your show. I appreciate the heck out of it. Absolutely, and yeah, enjoy that DVD collection. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Just sure. what's your before you go? What's the oh, prize yeah. DVD in that big back wall back there? Ah. Uh, oh gosh. I they're they're. They're DVDs. Are there prized ones? Wait, you were just looking just like, around. Are they all around you right now? Uh, maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I have a I have a problem. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're comic book fans. We're collectors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Once you start, uh, you can't if, stop. Yeah. The, the, a lot of stuff of the, uh, has moved online, just if you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard <laughs> I'm I'm a dinosaur. I and I move all the time. So believe me, I know exactly what I've got myself into. I do think you are right because eventually we're not going to have access to the streaming stuff that we think we're going to rely on for the rest of our lives, and you're going to be the king of content. Oh, That's I, right. I only watch things on Disney Plus Premier Access. That's the only way I prefer to watch movies nowadays. Oh, cool. I like it. I like it. That's efficient. Thank you. John, <laughs> thanks again. Have a great night. Good luck with the project. All righty. Thank you so much, guys. Right, uh, Good night. All right. Once again, uh, that is John Lazar, and the book is called Marguerite versus the Occupation. You can check it out right now on Kickstarter, and the action is, in fact, super fun in it, so you should definitely check it out. It's Let's... very cool. Uh, before you, before you yeah. jump over there, I just want to say, uh, J.M. Uh, DeMatteis, um, I was going through these couple boxes I found at my mom's house um, uh-huh. a couple weeks ago. I found the Spectre run that, that he did, and I mm-hmm. was rereading that, and uh, it's just so good, and that's just something that, like, I don't know when do you when are you ever going to pick that up or buy that trade. That's why you have the hard copies. Digging through, you find random stuff that you wouldn't ever think to search for. Uh, again, if it's not Disney Plus Premier Access, I'm just not going to check it out. Yeah, it's hard to get the news on there, but I guess if you just it pay is. enough money, well, I certainly Mickey reads a, the news, right? I'm getting a lot of news about uh, Jungle Cruise. That's one thing. That I'm getting news about. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lots of stuff going on with the rock. This is, that's Mickey's voice doing. Yeah. It. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> never mind. All right, let's bring Alex Schumacher, our next guest here, into the stream. He is the creator of Mr. Butter Chips from SLG Publishing, among many, many other things. Alex, welcome to the show. I'm very excited Thanks, to have guys. you on. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, what uh, have you brought a daughter or a mother or some sort of family member to the show? That's kind of like the theme that we have going on today. Two dogs, so similar to kids, I suppose. So I'm hoping <laughs> that they're able to keep the volume levels down. There's no guarantee. Would, these two. I would kill to have these two daughters of mine be dogs for just the next <laughs> hour. Uh, That's actually fun. next month on Disney Plus Premiere Access. They're premiering that movie. My daughters are dogs. They get like <laughs> Friday remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, they get a magic medallion and these dogs look at the daughters and at the same time they say, I wish I were you. And the dogs, of course, say, but the daughters say it and it works anyway. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Kevin in the comments who says the shaggy daughters. Oh, that's much is, better. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good um, I just up. gave my, my daughters an entire bag of pretzels as a bribery <laughs> and I failed as a parent currently. So on with the show. Yes, I'm with the show. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Mister- we don't need to talk about the book. We have a great movie pitch that we're coming up with. <laughs> That's great. This is why we had you on. <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Butterchips. Mr. Butterchips has been running for a very long time. Uh, it is now collected by SLG. Uh, first of all, what is it like taking that long back catalog and then putting it in a collection? What was it like revisiting it? 
Oh, I mean, for a cartoonist, I think you are just going through all the pages, seeing everything that you would fix, mm-hmm. everything that you would write. But, you know, for the sake of, um, I guess, transparency or, <laughs> or just keeping it real, as they say, you know, mm-hmm. it's just left them all as is, didn't fix anything. I mean, I'd love to be able to read you all of it. But, um, yeah, Dan Votto of SLG seemed to like it enough to put it out. So I have no complaints in that arena. Uh, so Mr. Butterchips, uh, tell me if I'm making it too basic here, but Cranky Monkey oh, yeah. uh, sort of comments on current events a little bit, or at least state of the world, uh, and he's very cranky about it. Uh, but it's very fun. It's very current. You still have it going weekly online. But again, getting back to the collection, because you do have a lot of this very current humor going on with it, do you feel like... Uh, was there any concern there about the, the jokes traveling at all, or do they still feel as present today as they did a couple of years ago? Well, I honestly think that was the impetus behind doing the collection because I knew I wanted the web comic to continue kind of mm-hmm. as you know, maybe not in perpetuity, but for at least as long as I have it in me to continue creating. And I also, you know, I knew as you know, John was mentioning in the last segment with the administration shift, thank God, uh, we sort of needed to revamp everything because the the previous iteration with Drunk Monkeys magazine was very focused on the Trump administration. That was the main target. So we knew that, that we kind of had to retrofit it going forward. So SLG and I had the idea to you know, change it up a little bit and it's still kind of, you know, it still comments on some current events, but it's a little bit more subtle, a little bit more satirical. Whereas when it was with drunk monkeys, it was quite a bit more in your face mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and not, not being very subtle with the messages. So I sort of took a page from Burke Breathed's playbook and was pretty heavily influenced by his Sunday only strip uh, outland, which he did mm-hmm. after Bloom County. So it's a little more in that vein where it's this sort of alternate reality, but still has some ties to the real world. So they're still commenting on actual figures and events. But again, it's a, it's a lot more hallucinogenic. And as you can see with that image, that's a bit more of how SLG and I are approaching things. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, what was it like to go sift through all the uh, your old uh, uh, comics, and especially since they are so topical, were you reliving the events that were going on, or at least your feelings toward them? Yeah, you know, I think in the moment, it was a monthly when it was with Drunk Monkeys. So at the time, it was just a matter of the, the main focus was trying to narrow it down to the one you know, item that I, the one issue I wanted to tackle that month, because especially, you know, in in the last year, year and a half, oh man, it's so hard to just distill one month down into a one page comic. There were so many things at us. And I think, unfortunately, that was sort of the situation from the outset with the Trump administration. There was just so much to focus on. So, it, it th- this gives me a lot more freedom and is a bit more liberating with SLG where I can have the weekly installments and kind of incorporate several different, you know, issues all at once. If I wanted to, I can, you know, make it a bit more topical. It could be the same week where something happens that I'm commenting on, but again, it's a, it's a bit more, uh, you know, hallucinogenic. <laughs> it's kind of like if a newscaster was on some pretty heavy mushrooms, that's sort of, uh. 
the uh the, the field. <laughs> yeah uh you as we kind of uh, showed off a little bit here in the stream you've also done some more personal slash confessional comics yeah. do you so I'm, I imagine, at least in a certain sense, Mr. John Butterchips is a little bit of a stand-in for you. Do you prefer being able to use dr the drunk monkey, drunk smoking monkey, as a proxy for your thoughts? Or do you prefer putting yourself in the comic, so to speak? Or are they just different experiences? I mean, they are different experiences. But what I've found is when you use a surrogate like a cartoon monkey, you can say things that you couldn't say necessarily if it was just uh, a you know, surrogate for your own self. Because if it's me in a comic or a comic version of me saying the same things that Mr. Butterchips was saying, I think it might be a little more off-putting. But when you have this alcoholic, abrasive monkey, I think the initial reaction, the immediate reaction is humor. It's funny. And then you can digest what it's actually saying. Whereas when it was the more slice of life, semi-autobiographical content, it, you couldn't be as straightforward with that because I think it feels like it's preaching. It's, it's more in a proselytizing right. kind of fashion, I think, or at least comes off that way when you're doing the semi-autobiographical stuff. Um, our third host who's not here is sort of our Mr. Butterchips, almost <laughs> in a one-to-one. -one, uh, uh, the way you just described him, I was like, holy shit. It's like the reason he's not here is because you're here because that's too close to home. But he did want to say he's a huge fan. Uh, Mr. But This is a statement he sent to us uh, to read. Uh, Mr. Butterchips is badass, and I love it. Such a great strip. You know what you were getting, and it delivers. So Fantastic. you softened the hard heart of our cranky monkey, Pete LePage. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's commiseration, <laughs> you know, it's, if it's a mirror for him, then that's great. I think it is for a lot of people. Uh, and in a way that I didn't even necessarily intend, but in a wonderful way that people have reached out when they've read specific installations and said, yes, that's how I feel. Or did you, Man, I wish I could be drunk all day. You know? <laughs> did you always intend for it to be topical? I I'm curious hearing you describe it that way. Like, how did you sort of get into that? and uh, use it as this sort of way of, of getting those feelings out. Yeah, it wasn't initially intended to be topical. The, the initial creation of Mr. Butterchips was just meant to be an homage to the underground comics of the 60s and 70s. So, you know, Robert Crumb, uh, Gilbert Shelton, who's one of my favorites, does Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers, uh, Spain Rodriguez, who did Trash Man, and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, so it was just sort of capturing that pastiche a little bit. And I was just filtering it through current times. So this was in April of 2016 when it, it premiered. So at the time, I was still in a place to just do a fun little comic that was... That's so funny. Initially, it was us. Initially, am I wrong about this? But I believe initially the idea was it was a monkey who loved Hamilton, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, and, yeah. and then it changed. Yep. Mr. Yep. Butterchips is all of us. Always yeah. rapping the Hamilton soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um, so, so then you know, November 2016 rolled around, and it just took a hard left, and just pivoted into being a vessel for the frustration, the aggravation, the anger, the, the despair that I was feeling. So, you know, it was definitely not initially intended. It's just kind of a product of its time in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have that kind of outlet to filter a lot of what I was feeling.
was it always a monkey? Did it start, did it like pop whole cloth out there? Like, yes, this is Mr. Butterchips. This is how he looks or how much playing around with the design happened? No, he was always a monkey. So I grew up in Steinbeck country, Salinas, uh, very Mm. close to Monterey. Monterey has a fisherman's wharf where there was an organ grinder and who had a dancing monkey when I was a kid. So just that idea of a, you know, angry, hostile, that, that monkey specifically dancing for the organ grinder, being hostile towards the audience was just very humorous in my mind. <laughs> and I keep saying this, anytime you, you name an, a companion animal, Mr. Something, it's inherently funny. So off the yeah. bat, humor. So it was, yeah, it was always intended to be an organ grinder's monkey. Now that you have the weekly strip going, I don't know if this is too far afield, but do you have an eye to eventually with SLG collecting, doing a second collection of these strips, or is that very far in the future at this point? <laughs> I mean, I think it is in the future, but but maybe since it's a weekly, it'll be next year. There's my dog. Um, uh, your dog's out of control. It interrupted the show. <laughs> you, you can't have that happen. You have to hog time. Um, so, so, yeah, I think the intent is to collect them at some point. Uh, so it'll probably be, you know, a year at some point, um, like next, you know, 2022. Uh, what's the issue of the week for you? What are you um, ready to uh, take pen to paper on? Um, this week, I think, uh, well, the, well, the one coming up is is has already been done. So the one that I'm about to draw is uh, one about him trying to get um, – uh, like antihistamine, basically. Excuse me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, he's way more responsible than I am. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's fine. We should probably mention when he gets back that there's always dogs and cats on this podcast. Yeah, there's no, there's no shame there. I mean, <laughs> I guess try giving them a whole, giving the dogs a whole bag of pretzels and. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. In the middle of a live feed, no less. No, 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 Truly, like this, was quiet for the last three hours too. That's the best part. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just to be clear. This is how we have been living for the past year and a half. There are dogs, yeah, yeah. there are cats here all the time. It's all good. It's it's such a, a commonality at this point. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't even feel like that out of place when a kid or a you know dog starts going off in the back. The funniest yeah. thing to me, and this is getting way off what topic, but the funniest thing to me is whoever's. And it's happening too. Is like, oh my god, this is literally the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. And everybody yeah. else is like, something new. Yeah, yeah. Show it to me. Well, you, know, and that, you know, and that's kind of a lot of what I filtered through my work too. You know, it's it's those kinds of changing ways that we all interact, and and the things that would seem very uncommon or, like you said, like humiliating in the past are just commonplace at this point. So, uh, so again, what I was saying while my dog was being an asshole uh, was, <laughs> was, you know, he goes in and he tries to buy pseudoephedrine. And so the woman who is at the drugstore says, okay, we just need one form of ID. Actually, we need two forms of ID and we need a, you know, urine test and a blood sample and, you know, all these things. And then it's a two-week waiting period. And so Mr. Rider Chips has to wait two weeks while he's feeling miserable and he goes back to get his pseudoephedrine and she gives him a complimentary handgun. So it's, it's that kind of <laughs> idea. Some things are a lot easier to get in this country than, you know, medication or health care. Right. 
I, I imagine Mr. Butterchips is taking up uh, quite a lot of time now that it is weekly, but are there other things on the horizon for you? Do you have other confessional or more personal comics uh, or any other projects that you're working on? Yeah, I, I have a piece coming out with uh, Fabrice Sapolsky's Mutiny Magazine. So Fabrice was the former senior editor at Humanoids. He's the co-creator of Spider-Man Noir, and he has started his own publishing venture in the last year or so. One of the products of that publishing house is Mutiny Magazine, which is an anthology for marginalized creators, underrepresented voices, et cetera, et cetera. Since we're both Jewish, you know, I got to know him over the last couple of years and he invited me to pitch something. So what I have coming out, and this is actually the first time I'm talking about it on a podcast, yes, but awesome. a, few, a few months back, my wife and I lost a daughter. We lost uh, a pregnancy. So it was something that I didn't know if I wanted to actually write about that I wanted, you know, didn't know that if it was something I really wanted to put out in the world, I'm a fairly private person for the most part, but it felt like something I needed to do just to process, you know, what was happening. And it's not the story of what happened. It's, it's more of a, it's a five page reaction piece, essentially. Oh, wow. So that's coming out um, probably in, I think it's the fall, maybe October or November. Um, I did an essay for Monkeys Fighting Robots magazine that just came out, uh, kind of on the impact of being a cartoonist. So I think that's out. I'm not sure if it's available through the Monkeys Fighting Robots site as of yet, but it, it will be available soon. And then I'm working with my literary agent on a couple different graphic novel ideas. We have a pitch out there that's kind of circulating the traditional publishers, and then there's a new one that I'm working on as well. I mean, on the personal bent and talking about this new project that you just mentioned, uh, I I don't remember when it came out. I think it was a couple of years ago. You did a, a piece about alcoholism as well. When you yeah. do something like that, I guess in your experience, and I'm sure everything is different, but do you find it cathartic when you put it on the page? I mean, putting something out there like that, that is very personal, that has to be hard to do to begin with, but... What's yeah. what's the aftermath like? What is, what does it feel after you actually have that out there and people are reading it? You know, luckily enough, the reaction to the the couple of pieces that I've done that were that personal for me so far have been essentially nothing but supportive and you know encouraging and you know empathetic. So it is harrowing to put out anything that that, that you know that is that personal that you feel shame about you know because alcoholism is definitely something that can elicit a lot of you know feelings that that you've done something wrong or you're irresponsible or, or people are going to judge you so it's always a little bit of a frightening prospect to put something out like that but as soon as i do for me you know the way that i am writing and drawing the comics is a way for me to kind of process those and, and organize those feelings so it's terrifying, you know, to think about putting them out. But once they're out, there is this community that you find. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a community of comics readers. It's it's simply people right. who didn't even realize comics could be about that specific subject or that comics could be something that, uh, you know, is used for, again, talking about very personal situations or very personal experiences. 
I feel like it, the comics are a unique form and I think the it's just there's a more a personal touch to it as opposed to any other like movie TV or something like that or just a, a straight up book. And I think yeah. people connect with it in that way. So to be able to do stuff that uh, that really strikes those personal chords and have people see themselves in it, like you were saying, um, the mirror uh, from before, like that's I think that's like peak comic book work. Yeah, I think so, too. And you know, it's, it's done in a lot of ways. I mean, I think people infuse their own experiences and their own lives in their work all the time. And sometimes it's a little more obscure. They're somehow weaving it into a sci-fi story or a fantasy story, and it's not as literal. But I think the, the act of creation, writing, comics, movie making, I think it's always, you know, artists, <laughs> we're always trying to work out something. <laughs> we're always trying to work through uh, you know, experiences that we've had and issues that we've had, um, you know, be it, you know, uh, being a child of a broken home or alcoholism or whatever the case may be. There's always something I think that is cathartic about creation, regardless of whether you intended it to be or not. And and maybe I'm, you know, speaking out of turn here. <laughs> maybe not everybody feels that way, but I know for myself specifically, it's, there's always something that I gain or learn from doing work like that. Even when it's about myself, you know, there's well, still something to learn from that. I think you said it earlier, like organizing your thoughts and feelings and putting yeah. them in a narrative, even if it's like a fictional narrative, I think we process things so much better as people, especially like hard to talk about things when it's yeah. a story. And if we can make a story for ourselves about what we're the, uh, something bad we're feeling or something difficult to talk about, I think it just makes, oh, I, I know what's happening with me. And it, it, yeah. people, people go through, spend so much of their lives not knowing what's happening to them. And I think that's what the value, and comics give you that space between panels and issues to think about what, and you actually process it directly in that way, as opposed to like a movie, it's moving on. You're like, ah, I can't yeah. think about what I just saw. With comics, yeah. you really can. And I, like You're I said, immersed I in it and you can spend the time with it in a way, and not to knock movies, I love movies and TV shows, yeah. but- like you said, there's something that's more immersive about comics. So if, you know, especially if you're going through a similar phase of your life as the comic that you're reading, I think it can be, you know, incredibly healing to, to have something like that. Because a lot of those times you feel isolated. You feel like you're the only person who has gone through this specific ordeal. And that's never the case. So the nice thing about putting out stories like that, putting out comics like that, is you're always going to find at least a small group of people to commiserate or, or again, to empathize or sympathize. You know, that's I've never put out a comic out where I haven't had people contact me and, wow. and not thank me for, for putting it out there, but, you know, they finally feel like they have somebody that they can talk to about. They finally have somebody they feel like they can connect to because of that, which is... In, you know, rewarding in and of itself. Yeah. Um, cool. Let's uh, just to plug it one more time. Mr. Butterchips, yeah. the collection is out right now, right? People can get it everywhere. Ooh, Boom. <laughs> in my own ARC. Yeah. Um, get it online, Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, go through IndieBound. <laughs> go through IndieBound if you can would be my recommendation. If you're in San Jose, it is at the SLG shop. Uh, so you can always go in the art boutique at 44 Ray Street. See you there. Um, and yeah, but it's available pretty much wherever you can get books online. 
Awesome. awesome. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. Love the book. Really? Sorry, Pete couldn't be here to plus you up a little bit, yeah. but maybe. And let me, let me just say, he never says like, no. tell this person I love their work <laughs> from a distance. Like when he's not on the show, he's not thinking about the show. So like, uh, take that as a big wet kiss from me. Oh, definitely. Uh, I always am kissing Pete. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. All right. It's, Have a good night, great. Alex. All right. Thanks. Later. Guys. Great talking Bye. to you. All right, there we go. Once again, that's Alex Schumacher. The name of the book is Mr. Butter Chips, which you can check out right now. And we're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up as your audience questions. Yeah! And for those... There are two things you got to do. You got to drop some questions over on YouTube in the comment section. I'm going to keep an eye on those. Or you can drop it and ask a question on Crowdcast. But first, it's time to pay a couple of bills. Ready? Here we go. (laughs) Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with your fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your (laughs) pants. Keep talking, Alex. Don't let my three-year-old daughter make this weird for you. Oh, is Is this why Pete didn't want to be on the show today? We'll feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job for the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Justin, do you want to take a turn here or should I keep going? No, sorry. I'm just trying to explain what my rocket Get ready for takeoff is to my daughter. Is that okay? Yeah, I just that's need a cool. second to <laughs> Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant. Do you want to explain to her what that is? She knows about Baldi. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. First scheduled for oh, liftoff. Yeah. New Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even uranus. <laughs> the fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multi function on off switch can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight. You can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The uh, Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. I got you. Little astronaut. I call my daughter a little astronaut, so she knows. She knows <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. You want to take this last part? Yes, I do. God, Alex, great uh, reading. Um, get 20% off plus free shipping with a code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with a code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean Trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Trinity? What does that mean? <laughs> don't know. Huh. Uh, I guess uh, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Uh, Manscaped, check that out. We're going to move on with your audience questions. And now I'm here solo. I'll tell you what, guys. No, I'm here. Oh, you're back. You're back. Okay. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'll tell you what. I wasn't sure if you were going to be here as well. So I kind of prepped the show as if I was going solo. And in my head, I was kind of like, okay, there we go. But we're good to go. We got a couple of questions here over on Crowdcast. Um, 
<laughs> this is an interesting one from uh, Stray Bullet. What would you do if you came home and your house is occupied by Nazis or Trump supporters? Uh, I don't know. In general, I think if my home, if I came home and there was somebody in my house who wasn't there, I would panic. Yeah, I mean, that's Regardless. a natural reaction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but occupy, occupied, like not sure. just someone in there, like truly like I live here now. Um, I mean, you got to take that home back. Yeah. What are you going to do? No, I'd have a little bit of an action sequence. What if your home was occupied by small children who, for some reason, don't want to hear a balls commercial? I lost. Uh, yeah. Don't worry. I'm going to play that back and just really walk <laughs> through it. That's sort of a bedtime story for us. Uh, okay. um, I, my life has been occupied by children uh, for quite some time. Yeah, so, um, oh, sounds I like you it. need to go. Uh, here's a question maybe you can answer. Uh, your kids could actually answer. This is from Kevin. Favorite monkeys? No apes. Ooh, ooh, that's tricky. Favorite monkey? No apes. Um, uh, let's see. Are we going to go with comic book monkeys again, or are we talking real monkeys? Um, real monkeys. I think... Here, hold on. I, I'm gonna look at uh, Bronx Zoo monkeys because there's a type of like very small, fluffy monkeys, which are very. Oh, cute. You're, we're talking like species of monkey. Species of monkeys. Well, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The ones here we go. Jungle World. They don't really have a list of the types of monkeys they have here, which is very unfortunate. But uh, um, maybe the white-cheeked gibbon, I would say. Ooh. Good monkey. I, I like those ones that live in snow. The snow monkeys. Oh yeah. The Arctic monkeys. Yeah, this isn't quite related, but uh, can I tell you my daughter's first joke? Yes. Okay. So monkey my daughter's. Based. <laughs> it, uh, no, it's not monkey based, but the the snow reminded me. So we were at the Central Park Zoo, mm -hmm. and I was wheeling around to the stroller. She was about two, two and a half, something like that, and I was exhausted. And I said, "Hey, do you want to go see snow leopards?" And she said, I want to go see Yes Leopards. Oh! Yeah. I was like, oh, boy. Got a wow. comedian on our hands here. That's not just a prepared joke. That's a in-the-moment riff. It was great. I loved it. I finally felt like this was my child. I was very happy. Yes. She's just giving back to you the type of comedy that you give to her. <laughs> exactly. It's a beautiful... Uh, do you have a favorite comic book monkey while we're on the topic? Um... That's uh, other good. than Mr. Butterchips, of course. Uh, obviously, Mr. Butterchips. Um, I mean, uh, Detective Chimp, sure. while a chimpanzee, um, is uh, is right there for me. And also, not the same thing, but Gorilla Man, pretty good. Sorry, Kevin, we're going with apes and other types of monkeys. We have a limited sphere of knowledge. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, why are you down on apes? Yeah, not the apes. Apes are great. You're scared, you're scared by the documentary Planet of the Apes. I get yeah. it. Here, wait. Uh, I'll come up with Pete's answer. He'll sit here quietly for a minute and be like, I don't know, Grape Ape? <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Is Grape Ape an ape? Uh, no, he's actually a monkey, kind of surprisingly. It's a little bit of a twist. This is from Nelson Martinez for you. Being a fellow Top Chef fan, Justin, I just wrapped yes. up newest season. Would you recommend any other cooking competition shows or any competition shows in general? you guys like wow great question i mostly just watched top chef for my um my cooking competition though i now am going through all of bourdain's shows um 
to uh, get uh, get another look at those. I feel like I've missed some episodes. And I'm also, uh, I worked on a pilot for a, a, a travel show. And if that gets picked up, it's going to be consume a lot of my mental space. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all uh, into that headspace. The, yeah, Top Chef was the main one I watched. And the reason that I like that one, I've seen plenty of others, but the main reason I liked it is because they're actually skilled. Like they're actually know yeah. what they're doing and they care about the cooking and it's not about people screwing up or anything like that. I watched a couple of episodes of crime scene kitchen mm. on Fox and they're skilled too, but it's like, it's the same format as everything else. It feels like watching right. the same show eventually. Uh, oh my God. What's the food network one that where they get a With random Giada. task of it? Random basket of stuff. Giada. <laughs> <laughs> Competition is Giada versus herself. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways. Uh, no, um, you're talking about Iron Chef. Chopped. 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 Yes. There we go. Yeah, early seasons of Chopped were great. They were a lot of fun. It's uh, so that one is so formatted that it's just less fun for me. And, and yeah. you, the people they don't let you know anything about them except like I live in Tucson, yes. and then they're like I blew this grilled cheese challenge. <laughs> Um, let me shout out though. Fuck. That's delicious as uh, one of my, not a competition, but just yeah. a great fun cooking show. The, the other one that I watched a bunch of the early seasons of that I thought was really good was uh food truck. I forget great American food truck road race or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the actual name, but the first couple of seasons of that were legitimately really good, particularly because it got into the business of food trucks and it was all, about that as well as the cooking Mm. there was also some elimination stuff and like some typical reality show competition twist stuff but when it concentrated on them actually just driving around and literally just trying to find a parking spot somewhere it was actually really fascinating and interesting yeah i love this those shows do so well when they have detours or just weird stuff that happens um i guess we should probably um let our official chef brett macris um have his answer read uh he says watch chef's table on netflix Mm -hmm. Which Chef Table is great. a great show. Absolutely. Uh, we got one last one here. This is from Josh. If the three hosts competed in a cook-off, who would win? I guess 100% it depends on me. you. 100%. Really? I, I mean, I've never seen you cook. I'm curious because I know you cook. I cook well. all the time. Uh, me too. I'm the, My wife doesn't really cook. Yeah. So, like, uh, we, we should go head-to-head. All right. There you go. Uh, who's judging it though, I guess is the question, because if it's Pete, Pete probably wins. No, we can't have Pete's, we can't have Pete's palate be the judge. He wants a garbage plate. His yeah. desire is a garbage. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brett says he'll judge it. So we'll just mail him a dish. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to put it <laughs> loose in a box. That's okay. Right. Oh, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to put it just uh, in a knapsack on the back of a horse and slap its ass <laughs> and just say, go to Nolan's horse. Absolutely. Um, what, what would we cook? What would we, our cook off? God, I'm trying to think like, well, what's your go-to dish? I, I, I'm all over the place. I'm always challenging. Um, I, um, I love cooking uh, it all. I've been getting into um, sort of some curries lately, mm-hmm. uh, trying to do more um, just like making those up uh, as I go. Uh, I'll tell you, I mean, getting back to competition stuff, the one go-to that I had for a really long time was these tri-tip tacos from Artie, who Ooh. won the first Next Food Network star thing. They were so yeah. good. And I used to make them. I haven't made them in a really long time, but I love those. Tri-tip. uh Sort of a 
a mystery, more mysterious cut. People don't yeah. cook with tri-tip very much. I love tri-tip. Great I stuff. did a coffee rub on the grill with the tri-tip. It was so mm. good. Uh, Josh says garbage plates. I think if we made three garbage plates, that's a good idea. I like it. Uh, uh, let's do it. But next time we are in person, if uh, that happens, we should do. We'll each do a garbage. We'll, you and I should do a garbage plate, and then Pete will eat it. <laughs> we don't. I don't want Pete to cook a garbage plate. Yeah. It's too. Pete too can close buy to a garbage plate. Yeah. No, we're. I'm going to charge him for it. Yeah. Uh, I think we know the rule. It just has to be a see-through <laughs> plate by the end of it. We do have one last one here, actually, from YouTube. Richard Espinoza says, What fanfare theme still gives you the chills when you hear it, i.e. X-Men, Star Wars, etc.? Hmm. Uh, the theme song that gives me chills. Yeah. Um, I think it depends that- on the circumstance, but I, Star Wars does get me sometimes. Like, if it's a... I can think of various times over the years from first time I watched it with my kids to going to see it in concert with John Williams conducting where it's just yeah. those special moments where it's like, Oh, okay. Oh, this is good. I like yeah. this a lot. Um, the other I mean, one, this is, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the, uh, Superman, the Superman movie theme. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that is one that just stands the test of time. And even though I don't rewatch those movies, they are not like my favorite movies by any means. But just the music of that stands out so mm-hmm. so intensely. There's this isn't exactly I don't think they use this theme anymore, but the Doctor Who theme that Murray Gold came up with, they would just deploy it at exactly the right time on mm. the show. And it's something that would like they get the doctor coming out giving a big speech, like a really good speech, and they start playing the theme. It just makes you cheer and yeah, it's great. And the other one, uh, this is just top of mind because I've been watching some episodes, but start, old school Star Trek theme when that kicks in or like a good yeah. riff on it. Yeah. That gets me too. Especially that's that one stands alone. Like not a lot of themes are like that anymore. Just ooh, that <laughs> uh, weird <laughs> sound choice. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says Gold redid the theme several times, which would be your favorite? Probably Matt Smith. That was like that was my doctor. That was the one that I loved, and that's the one that really got me. You, that was your doctor. You went to Matt Smith for your. Um, yeah, he treated me when. Better, well, I don't want to get too personal about it, but yeah, no, you should get. I mean, you, you know just said thing. you talked about. Uh, you told my daughter that uh, you need to get your rocket ready. So I think we're <laughs> sort of beyond the pale when it comes to sure. being personal. Okay, fine. Alex. Uh, Matt Smith treated me for time sickness. So that's a Doctor Who thing or something. I don't yeah, know. It's you over my head. Nerds. I don't. I don't watch it. Wow. Okay. Don't turn. On. I know you have a cold, so don't turn on your. Uh, I'm hepped up on cold medicine right now, but so we didn't do what you're drinking, and clearly you're drinking oh, sure. some sort of uh, day, deadly combination of Dayquil and Nightquil. Yes. Um, and me, I'm drinking a little bit of Miller High Life here, Ooh, uh, nice. and I'm drinking in my du- cherubic voices of my children. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't I give you a break here? We're going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for trivia, we're going to turn it over to me today. I'm going to take care of trivia, uh, but we actually have a contestant here on the show. So just give me a second to invite him over into the stream. Uh, Now, if you're interested in playing trivia, we got a link for that. Um, Michael Bramwell is going to join us today to do the trivia, Um, but I will drop the link here in the YouTube and also in 
the Crowdcast chat if you want to sign up for it. We're definitely looking for people for August and beyond. Michael, hello. How's How it going? You? Can hey, you hear me? Good. Can you see me? Everything working all right? I can hear right? you. Can you, can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh-huh. All right. You ready to do some trivia? You ready to win a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics? Well, I'm more than ready. <laughs> all right. Cool. Here we go. So today, uh, today's trivia is all about tropical comic book news with the tip of a hat to the legend Pete LePage, who sadly is no longer with us. Well, I guess he's just not here tonight, but, you know, regardless. Here we Same go. difference. Same difference. Okay, here we go. Once again, tropical comic book news. In the new, number one, in the new movie, The Suicide Squad, to which tropical location does Walter send the team, Waller send the team? A, Corto Maltese, B, Santa Prisca, or C, Stephen Conroy? Is it A, Corto Maltese, <laughs> B, Santa Prisca, <laughs> or C, Stephen Conroy? I'm getting a, a bit of an A impression here. Yes, that's correct. The answer that is correct. A, I know the movie hasn't come out yet, but uh, in fact, the Suicide Squad is sent to Corto Maltese, famous DC Comics location by Amanda Waller. Here we go. Question number two. Real in quick, ca- Alex. Yes. You're proving that it actually is hard to give clues because it what looked hard for you to give that clue there? <laughs> you paused and were like, uh-huh. <laughs> Just, I'm trying to pay tribute to Pete and his being the star of trivia. I can only hope to someday rise to those heights. Shouts to Luana's mom. In Captain America number one, this is question number two. In Captain America number 117 from 1969, Cap was trapped in the Red Skull's body and on the tropical Exile Island. But he actually got help from which new hero? A, James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine. B, Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon. Or C, J. Stephen Brantley, a.k.a. Michael Myers. Which one do you think it is? Is it War Machine, The Falcon, or Michael Myers? thinking War Machine. Are you thinking... Are you thinking more? I might be thinking different. Yeah, I might be think... thinking the Falcon. Oh, is that your final answer? I'm, I'm going with that. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> it's B. It's the Falcon. Good job. All right. Last question here in our tropical comic book news. Three in the Punisher War Journal number seventeen, titled "Tropical Trouble," Frank heads to Florida while Microtrip goes to Hawaii. The issue was written by Carl Potts and penciled by whom? A, Jim Lee, B, Rob Liefeld, C, Melody Bates. Is it A, Jim Lee, B, Rob Liefeld, or C, (laughs) Melody Bates? Jim Lee? It's Jim Lee! You're correct. Back in... A very long time ago, I didn't even write down the date, Jim Lee was penciling a (laughs) random issue of Punisher War Journal. There you go. You everyone knows. (laughs) Yes. You have won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. We'll get that off to you right away. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Michael. Have a good night. I appreciate it. We'll see you. All right. Later. Uh, Pete remains the star of trivia. Pete is the star Uh, of trivia, and of course... Um, all of the third answers here were a hint 
towards a secret movie. Very curious if Kevin guessed it. No? Uh, it's a movie called Occupy Elm Street that starred Pete as Ghostface. <laughs> what? There well, you go. That's a that's a Google. That's <laughs> something to check out, perhaps after the show ends. There you go. Occupy Elm Street. Check it out. It is on IMDb. That's correct, Kevin. There you go. All right. Wow. As we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day, unless you're DC Comics, in which case today is New Comic Book Day. But Justin, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? I mean, I got to give it up to uh, Seven to Eternity, mm. um, the uh, final issue um, of this great book by Rick Remender uh, with, with art by Jerome Pena, like truly beautifully drawn book classic remender dread and stress uh but just a great story really well told epic fantasy adventure and um, i'm very excited to see how it's going to come to a close i'm excited about the me you love in the dark number one from image comics written by scotty young art by jorge corona this is the team from middle west and that was sort of a darker but still all ages uh, story. This is them skewing even more adult and doing some sort of creepy ghost love story, which is very cool. Uh, so excited to check that out. And both of those titles are going to be in our Stack podcast, which comes out tomorrow on the Comic Book Club feed and also its own dedicated Stack feed at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for tonight's show. Couple That's of the show, folks. We want to thank John Luzer for being on the show, Alex Schumacher for being on the show. From John, check out Marguerite versus the Occupation. From Alex, Mr. Butterchips. Next week, we're going to have a packed show for you. Sal Crivelli is going to be here from Comic Pop. Back on the show, yeah. also Nandor Fox Schaefer from Manchild. Kyle Higgins from Ordinary Gods is going to be here. So lots of folks. Also, right. stuff to check out from us. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is chalking along. We have bonus episodes counting down phase two, right up until What If starts next week. So that should be a lot of fun. We're going to have a new episode this Friday with a special guest. You'll definitely want to check out. Yes. Also, Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, is not quite back, but coming back very soon, as Dude. is Star Guys. Our Star Girl podcast is also coming back both of those next week, so it's going to be a packed week of podcasts, particularly on Tuesday and Wednesday. Things are ramping up for old comic book club. Sure uh, are. Sure are. It's Pete, and if you want to support all that, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, guys. See you later. See you later, your daughters, your moms. I have to explain it with you to my kids. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.